take one of my, I think you took one of my, uh, yeah. No, actually, no, I did not. One of the Christmas invites. Oh. There you go. Thank you. It's my prop, one of my props for there. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to have you here. And it's a good thing that, you know, our Christmas series, we talked about um, the messages being a little bit shorter because Bob did take a very full <laughs> time with announcements. I'll have to talk to him about that a little bit. Okay. All right. So all kidding aside, so what we're, um, our Christmas series right now is a series of messages uh, called The Good and Perfect Gifts. And so last week, you know, we are in Luke, and we're in Luke uh, chapter 2 where it talks about the shepherds and the angels, the angels appearing to the shepherds. And Bob spoke last week about how in that little story, specifically in the verses uh, 9 through 11, there are three gifts, so to speak, in that little section of scripture. So I'm going to start us by reading that so that we can refresh our memories. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So in that little section, three gifts in plain sight, though sometimes we might not actually think of them as actual gifts. And the first one was the announcement of the gift itself. It's not like the Lord kept it a big secret or made their, you know, you have to do something special, no, a handshake, whatever it is, to be able to hear this announcement. He made a big deal about it, a show of it. It was something that was, was to be known, was to be known, to be anticipated, this, this even better gift to come. So that announcement was what Bob taught on last week. And then the second that we're going to talk about today is the fact that the gift is for all people. So some make the distinction in this, and as you know, uh, one of the things that we do is we look at the scriptures very carefully. We do word study. We spend a lot of time making sure that we're not trying to make the scripture say something it wasn't meant to say. And if you study, a lot of times people will be like, well, what about this? What about this? And we will try to pull that out as much as we can so that we all can be looking at it as accurately as possible. But sometimes there are things that you, you have to just pray about and you have to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about when you're looking at scripture. So in that section, some make the distinction that it would be better translated instead of all people, all the people. And the the being a qualifier for the Jewish people, the Israelites. Now, I would say at this time when this happened, obviously there are no Christians, right? The Lord has just been born. And so it's not like there's a huge, huge amount of Christians out there also hearing this gospel message. The Jews were always meant to be the first responders, so to speak, that conduit of that gift. That, you know, they were the Lord's chosen people and they were meant to believe and be that conduit then to others. So I would say that regardless of what the exact translation was, the idea was always for it to be all people. So not to get caught up on that. Many Jews, though, 
we see, especially as we study Old Testament scripture and then make that transition into New Testament, they felt like they should be able to determine who did and who did not have access to God's gifts. They were often jealous and offended at the idea that others might be able to have access to those gifts without having to go through all that they had gone through with the very strict laws that they followed for, for all those years, right? It didn't seem fair. But thankfully, for all of us, that wasn't their call to make. So I'm going to read you. This isn't going to be up on the screen. I've been in the study of Matthew. The, the women's study, we took a break from meeting in person, but a lot of us have continued on in a study in Matthew. And as I was prepping for this message, I was reading this in my study, and I thought, you know, this perfectly pertains to that idea of the Jewish people at that time really having a hard time with the idea that the Gentiles could be allowed in to this gift from God. And so this is out of Matthew 20, 1 through 16. It's the parable of the vineyard workers. And I am going to do my reading glasses for this one. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed that they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. I love that parable because even though some were late to the game, right? So like the Gentiles and that, many of us in this room did not start our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. That maybe happened much later in our lives. And even though we're late to the game, we don't miss out, right? The ones that were there from the beginning were kind of bent out of shape. So think about the Jewish people where they've lived under the law for so, so long. And to find out all of a sudden there's going to be a new covenant that people can just be part of. And they don't have to have done all of this, had to have had a lifetime um, under this same type of restrictions, many of which they put on themselves. And in the end, 
they all got paid. It's not like the first vineyard workers didn't get paid. They all got paid. So it made me think about in the terms of this being a gift for all people, this announcement that the angels did to the shepherds, announcing that they have, there's going to be a gift for all people. It made me think about Christians today. So what about them when people on their own decide who is worthy of hearing the gospel, who is worthy of being invited to church, when we try to be that, that gatekeeper, like, you know, when you go someplace, you're a salesperson, you go in and the gatekeeper determines whether or not you're allowed to go in and talk to somebody else. And it's not always a, a, from a bad heart. You know, sometimes we, I don't know, maybe we feel like we're qualified to make those decisions. Some of the best job advice I ever got was I was applying for a job that I 100% did not feel I was qualified for. And my friend told me, listen, it's just your job to fill out the job application. You let the owner or the manager, the person who takes that and determines who's qualified, let them determine whether or not you're qualified for that job. And that is fantastic advice because you don't know. You don't know what they're looking for. You don't know the background of, of all the things going on in the backstory. A lot of times, they're not looking for whoever is most qualified on paper for a job. And we take it upon ourselves at times to also think it's up to us to determine who should and who shouldn't hear the gospel, who is okay for us to share our testimony and who not. I mean, some people hold their testimony very close to the vest and they only share it with other people that are believers because often we are afraid that if we share it with somebody who's an unbeliever, they're going to make fun of us or they're going to think, I don't know, they might give us a hard time or they'll be like, oh my gosh, the Jesus freak again. Am I going to have to talk to that person? But really, if you're just sharing your testimony with other believers, it is encouraging, right? It's not like it's lost, but is it doing what it could do? Does it have the power that it could have if we felt that freedom to be able to share that appropriately, right? I'm not saying you just go on and start just yanking people right and left for your testimony. The Holy Spirit gives you those opportunities and feeling free to take them. There's a great scripture in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. And this should be on screen. Yep, great, it's on screen. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him given us that task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And our task is not to personally reconcile the person. We have to let them know that this is an option for them to be reconciled. So let's think of it like this. I kind of had fun since we're Christmas season. I had fun with the idea 
of package delivery. So this is where we're going with this, right? So let's think of the Lord as the creator, which he is, of this most amazing gift. And he's like, I need to get this gift into every single person's hand. I want everyone to know about it. But he doesn't want it to be stolen by the porch pirates of the world, right? Those people that say to you, your Bible is full of contradictions. You're a fool to believe this. How can you believe there's a virgin birth? Those porch pirates, he doesn't want it stolen by them. He wants you to have the opportunity to unpack it and take a look before you're bombarded with all of these things from the outside world. So on this stage, at this moment, let's say I'm the manager of a distribution center, right? And I'm running the distribution center trying to get out these door tags about all these good and perfect gifts, like announcements that we've got a good and perfect gift for you to come and pick up at our distribution center. And the Lord has told me, give it to everybody. No restrictions, give it to everybody. But I decide that the people on this side of the room are kind of high maintenance and they're a pain to deal with, so I'm just not going to deliver to this side of the room, right? Well, guess what? That's not my call to make who's high maintenance and who's not, right? That's not my call to make. Or let's say I do exactly what I'm supposed to do, and I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to deliver this notification to everyone. And so I go, and I get all my drivers lined up. And in this scenario, guess who the drivers are, right? It's you guys. You guys are the drivers. And I say, hey, I've got door tags for delivery that I want you um, to go and deliver to all these houses, and I give you door tags, and I send you on your way. It's important here that we understand at this point, our drivers understand at this point, and me as the distribution manager, understands what our real role is in that. Your part is to drop the tag at the person's house so that they know they have a gift to pick up. It's just sitting there waiting for them. You don't have to create the gift because it's already been created. This isn't Ikea. You don't have to assemble the gift. This is not what is happening to you. I've got a little, a little fun graphic here, right? Right? This could be daunting if you thought that this was part of your duty here to put together this Ikea gift. You don't have to deliver this enormous gift by yourself or try to deliver it safely because let's face it, when we try to do everything on our own, right? We try to interpret what we should say, we shouldn't say. Somebody comes up to you out of the blue and you get the chance to talk about the gospel and you, you just aren't prepared, right? It just comes out. Our gift giving, like our delivery looks something like this package here, right? So this is not what you have to do. It's not up to you to take everything that God is doing and deliver it in perfect shape. But you just have to let people know that there is a gift just sitting there waiting for them. So this is my fun little graphic that I did myself. It's very sad because I'm not a graphic person, but I'm going to point out here these are your little door tags to let every single person know there's a gift waiting for you. Now, how you deliver this door tag, it can be an invite to Christmas Eve service. 
It can be sharing your testimony. It can be offering to pray for somebody. You don't know what that door tag is that just lets somebody know that they've got this gift should they decide to just go pick it up. And then sometimes you, you do this and that person claims their gift right away. They are like, hallelujah, this is exactly what I needed at the very moment I needed it. And they are happy to accept that gift. And they're happy to, to be the ones that just take the step over, right, to go get that gift. They understand the value of it. Some are going to see the tag and they're going to be like, it's from a church, right? It's from my Jesus, crazy Jesus friend, right? You know, and they're going to toss it and never even bother to show up to see what the gift is all about. How sad is that? But some are going to hold on to it. They're going to be on the fence, right? They're going to be like, I don't really have time to go pick up the gift today, but I might be interested at some point. And they shove, if it's like my purse, right? You know, you put it in your purse and you find it two months later at the very bottom of your purse, you know, with smushed M&Ms or Skittles. If you have kids, then it's who even knows what's at the bottom of your purse. But one day if they are feeling lost, heartbroken, sad, just at a loss for what is going on in their life or for purpose. I mean, who knows? There's a million things, problems with family, with friends. And they could just be sitting there and be like, you know what? You know what might make me feel better? A gift, a good and perfect gift. Maybe I need to dig that tag out and give it a chance. And maybe that's the point at which they say yes. You don't know And it's not up to you to make it happen. What you did is you let them know that there's this good and perfect gift waiting for them. And you know it's good and perfect because you have that gift yourself. You have that good and perfect gift yourself. So the common denominator in all of those people is that each person knew they had a claim that they could claim this gift at any time. They were all given a chance to claim it. They all knew about the gift. It wasn't kept a secret. You know, this isn't a club in here where we, you know, what stays at Discover, you know, what happens at Discover stays at Discover. Really, it's kind of the opposite of the stuff that happens in this room. We want you to go out and we want you to share this amazing news about Jesus. And they all were given the opportunity to make a choice. That's the saddest thing. If somebody doesn't claim that gift, because they didn't have the opportunity to make a choice because they didn't know. And again, we overthink what it means to share the gospel. You know, not everyone is gifted to be able to just evangelize on the spot, but everybody has a story and everybody can share that story because if it has happened to you, who's going to know it better than you? We don't have to worry about missing out on the gift because we weren't home or because we, pass, or we were passed over for our super holy friend that lives next door to us, it's truly a gift for everyone. That door tag is on everybody's house. Now, we know from Revelation that not everybody is going to accept that gift, even if they know about it. They're not going to accept the gift of Christ. 
but it should give us great joy that each of us has the gift offered. Even even when God knows that some people aren't going to say yes, and even when he knows that we might just be in in a messy place right now, it doesn't matter. He wants us to know that gift is there for us and that we have that choice to make. We aren't excluded for any reason from access to this good and perfect gift. And it's, an, it's almost like a whole nother gift in and of itself that we as disciples of Christ get to let others know that they have this good and perfect gift waiting for them as well. So believe it or not, that is the end of my message. So what I wanna do as we get ready to go into communion I want you to just take a moment and close your eyes if you'll just play along with me for just a moment. Close your eyes and just ask the Holy Spirit to just highlight one person. It could be a family member, a friend, a neighbor you barely know, a house you drove by and you felt a tug on your heart. Just one, just one person. And ask him what would be the interaction that he would ask you to do. Again, it doesn't have to be something huge. It could be as small as just asking somebody for coffee. That's a start. That's a start. But if we ask the Holy Spirit, you know, a lot of times we are afraid, what's an appropriate time? What's an appropriate time? If the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something, it's an appropriate time, right? And he will guide you on what to say. Right? Give him that opportunity to do that. Give him that opportunity to guide you rather than trying to give yourself a harder job than it has to be. He allows us to be part of it. Let him also um, be the one that directs us and how we would do that. All right. So the worship team can come on up. We're going to go into communion um, As we do communion, just be thanking the Lord that we already have received this gift and that we have the opportunity to share this gift with others. And the way we do communion here is we've got, um, Bob and I will be up here. We'll have another couple over here that have wine and gluten-free crackers and bread. You just dip it in the wine. Uh, We've got a little self-serve station over here if you'd prefer to do juice or if you want to serve yourself or your family. But it's an opportunity for us, again, just to be thankful for the fact that we've already received it. It's not like we're searching and trying to figure out where this gift is. We've received it, and he is, he is gentle in how he manages us as we share that gift with others. So thank you guys so much for, for listening. For, I saw you guys shutting your eyes and thinking about that. Take that opportunity to move forward with that. Take that opportunity to move forward with that. I love you guys.